0: to help make this possible. So please consider supporting our mission by visiting the Spoken Gospel website, clicking on donate, and contributing what you can. Whether you choose to donate once or monthly, we're so grateful for your support. Okay, now on with the show. How do we have godly contentment that changes our hearts? Uh This goes back to everything we've been saying. Receive Mm -hmm. the gift of the gospel. understand that the gospel is a free gift of grace and it will change your heart and then it will not produce all kinds of evil, but all kinds of godliness. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's amazing.
1: Welcome to the Spoken Gospel podcast. Spoken Gospel is a ministry that's dedicated to speaking the gospel out of every corner of scripture. In Luke 24, Jesus told his disciples that every part of the Bible was about him. So each week, hosts David and Seth work through a passage of scripture to see how it's all about Jesus and his good news. Let's jump in.
0: Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We are finishing up 1 Timothy today. Yeah. How's that How's that sit with you, Seth?
1: It sits with me mighty fine. Mighty
0: fine. It uh, is well with your soul. Is,
1: yeah. I have enjoyed 1 Timothy. Yeah. It is. It's not our first epistle to go through. No. But it... Verse by verse, is it our first? Episode? Oh, I don't know.
0: I honestly don't know. Um, it's it, embarrassing.
1: It's it's uh, <laughs> we do this a lot, I guess. 180 <laughs> episodes yeah. published now.
0: It's not. I guess it's not the worst uh, that I don't remember. Uh,
1: but it it's like a different skill set than like talking about the narrative, uh, the storyline, right. the characters of some of the Old Testament things that yeah. we've done a lot of in the past. Yeah. Um, so it,
0: it's it's nice to be landing this plane. It is nice. Uh, to this plane. There's been some awesome moments. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Okay. So First Timothy. We've been talking about there's these false teachers, and they are imposing some rules that they've been getting from misunderstanding the Old Testament. Maybe trying to get back to some weird version of the Garden of Eden where everyone's vegan and no one gets married. (laughs) um, And that's the pathway to godliness. But really underneath it, they've been crooks, and they were in it for the money maybe, and there's all this brokenness and disunity and factions Mm -hmm. and paul's writing to the pastor there timothy Mm -hmm. and telling him how to persevere in all of this tumultuous stuff and his main bit of advice has been guard your life and your doctrine be godly and just teach truth yeah and that's kind of is that uh, i wasn't prepared to give you, that summary you did but a great summary you're not the, normally the summary no guy. i'm not yeah. but I wanted, to, I wanted to give a whack at it there yeah that's okay.
1: that's basically what's been going on okay uh and you can kind of feel from the way that paul lands the plane here in first timothy six that he's been waiting to talk about the underlying motivation for all this false teaching oh which is these false teachers are in it for the money okay they uh, have a godliness they consider their godliness as a means for financial gain i see because we kind
0: of inferred that in chapter five when it's like hey don't forget to pay your pastors a laborer is worth his wages and we're like i wonder if he's saying that because there's something on the line with money with the old false teachers and now we know it now we know it okay
1: and he goes on for quite a while about what should a timothy and for our sake a believer's relationship with money and gain and wealth look like hmm. and so ooh, so yeah. we're
0: talking about money and wealth and yeah so it's gonna be great okay yeah money episode a money episode <laughs> we, we don't have a lot of those <laughs> we don't yeah although i guess the more we get in the, the well yeah the, the more bible we start, talks a lot about money
1: it does i mean yeah. i think we, as spoiler alert spoiler <laughs> after the book of timothy we'll be going into the book of matthew oh and jesus talks a lot about money he does so i'm excited for matthew ready. okay
0: anyway so he just finished up, what was it, that the household codes for so yeah, widows, elders, and slaves.
1: Now we're in 6-2. And so he says, teach and urge these things, meaning the doctrine that I've been explaining to you this whole time, mm-hmm. teach the good news of Jesus, help people to be at one and unified with one another, and anyone who teaches a different doctrine does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ mm-hmm. in a teaching that accords with godliness. So he's really just taking to the mat any other way of teaching and any other authority besides what the church has passed down mm-hmm. and what the Apostle Paul is responsible to deliver. So,
0: yeah, it's also interesting that he says like because their teaching doesn't accord with godliness, our right. teaching does accord with godliness, which is why it's true. And we kind of mm-hmm. talked about that with chapter four a lot where it was guard your life and doctrine. It's because mm-hmm. your life should be Prove that the doctrine you're teaching is true. Right. And he's like, what they're teaching and how they're living are somehow self-contradictory.
1: Yeah. It's
0: unraveling and falling apart.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. The, because the doctrine should produce godliness. Okay. And that's yes. like the idea. The teaching you teach should produce godliness. Ah. And the teaching these false teachers are teaching is producing okay. ungodliness. So that's
0: a little different than what I said. Yeah. It's that your teaching should match your life. Well, you can be teaching something false yeah. and live in accordance with it. Right. But the issue is that is the teaching making you like God? Right. That's... Is it making you godly? And the that's the idea is,
1: yeah if you compare 6 three with Titus one one and two uh-huh he uses a very similar structure to this right here oh. but instead of saying teaching that accords with godliness is like a really kind of a passive translation of that, yes. that phrasing but it's better understood as teaching that produces godliness ah, like yes. so that's what's on the line
0: okay got it that's what's on the line the false teachers teaching is not producing godliness which probably means it's producing sin S- ungodliness.
1: Things such as the very next verse. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. I was inferring the right (laughs) thing. Yeah. He was like, okay, so yeah, these people are puffed up with conceit. They understand nothing. They have an unhealthy craving for controversy, for quarrels about words, which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain.
0: Whoa. Okay, so their teaching was producing all kinds of bad stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And at the bottom of it, then, is because they believed that whatever this form of godliness that they've been hawking to people, they weren't even doing it for good intentions. They were doing that just to yeah. gain.
1: Get money. So I have a question, first of all. Great. How can you have this list of of behaviors uh-huh. and even presume any type of godliness? Uh, because what, what I was surprised by when I first read that, before we get to contentment and money and all that kind of stuff, it's like, okay, someone who has an unhealthy craving for controversy, for quarrels, for envy, who's creating envy, dissension, slander, there's no way that you could pretend this is godly behavior. Well. So how can you say that they imagine their godliness is a means of gain? I I don't understand yeah. what how anybody could look at that and be like, oh, that's – a right. form of godliness. Here's that. this envious, slanderous,
0: quarrelsome person. They must be really godly. Let me give them money.
1: Right, <laughs> and they're, they're perpetuating that. And I mean, like, I don't understand how yeah. they they got away with pretending to be godly right. if this is so self evident. Man, I don't know.
0: Like I wasn't ready for that question, honestly. <laughs> but I'll try to be somewhat middle of the road here. Okay, there there are plenty of examples of this in today's culture, where you have loud angry mm-hmm. divisive people who are slandering mm-hmm. other parties bashing other people and they get these platforms for it and people look at them and they think that person is doing the right thing yeah. and, and maybe they claim to be christians uh-huh. it's like that's a godly person standing up for what's really true mm-hmm. and then at the end of their rant they sell you herbal medicine and they're just <laughs> yeah, out for the yeah. gain
1: yeah. Right, right right and it's like this is a real thing. Or and the clicks on YouTube, which gives them ad
0: dollars. Exactly. Right, yeah. And it's like, it's okay. not a strange thing to see an angry, divisive person right. gather a following of people who think they are on a righteous crusade.
1: Yeah. Hate, fear, and division sells. Yeah. Really easy. Yeah. And I mean, Facebook algorithms know it too, which oh, is yeah. why they, what, they push it. That was right. It's yeah. like, <laughs> so, okay. So that's interesting. Yeah. And I don't know if that's what was going on. Well, what but. it makes me think of is. I think it proves the point that I was. I was wondering if we'd get to. Um, mm. I've heard in some of my study that godliness could have been the false teacher's word.
0: Yeah, you've you, you've said that before. It's like before, it was yeah.
1: their catchphrase for what they were teaching. They, mm-hmm. And uh, Second Timothy talks about it. They have a form of godliness, right? But they deny its power. So they were talking about. A new way to be godly yeah they knew the secret of true godliness Mm -hmm. godliness isn't what paul says it's actually what you can intuit for yourself and in second timothy again 4 3 it says the people like to accumulate teachers that Mm. appeal to their own sensibilities right so godliness isn't what paul says it's actually what already accords with what you believe about yourself, what you intuit for yourself, what the cultural winds are already s- saying. We're the truly enlightened, godly ones. We've discovered a more spiritual, spiritually sophisticated right way to be godly. Um, it, so It is
0: interesting how you're describing it. It's yeah. like the people who have fallen in line with the false teachers who are angry and divisive but were in it for the money, they start listening to them, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, we like this teaching. So mm-hmm. they gather more people who are saying the same things to continue... Giving them what their itching ears want to hear, they're mm-hmm. creating their echo chambers, mm-hmm. and it's like looks like Satan has been doing the algorithm <laughs> from the beginning. <laughs> He's just like this. Just looks like the yeah. like the like the Facebook algorithm yeah. of the first
1: century. <laughs> we we've always prayed about the evil algorithms on YouTube. <laughs> we're, we were right. We were yeah. right.
0: This you, he never needed a computer to pull that
1: off. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a human element of like division cells. Right. There's a demonic element where. It, People like to hear things that are contrary to God's truth. Right. There's also just the bald profiteering right. motive, which is like, oh, we're leveraging cultural relevance, secret knowledge, and access into an elite spirituality to get rich. And when you trust us, yep, you're more godly. Well, you, you Not only about, do we get rich, you get godly.
0: And you think about some of the deep, dark holes on the left and the right side that people find themselves in. You know, where it's conspiracy theories and Mm -hmm. it's secret knowledge and it's the hidden truth behind the powers. Mm -hmm. And that exists on both sides of the spectrum. And it's like that is just it's happening.
1: Right. And I see that same dynamic in Bible study, too. Oh, you're so right. It's like, oh, if we get behind the text and see what we can't really see based on the evidence mm-hmm. if we understand Roman culture better and better and better and better we're all of a sudden having a conversation about Roman culture and yeah. which means that Ephesians has nothing to teach us anymore about the relationship it between was just men and women. it's
0: just another window into the history right and that'd be on the left side like yeah. you know yeah like, and then yeah. on the
1: other side it's like but if we go really deep into the original Hebrew right and like
0: you'll discover that the Greek was wrong
1: right yeah it's like yeah. you're like it's like, wait, hold oh on. wait, Wait a second. <laughs> and there's ways to like get lost in myths about the That's Bible. Right. I you're mean, right. I can't... There's a lot of it, YouTube yeah. videos about totally. the end of times. Right. The, yeah, the endless genealogy. The endless
0: genealogy. The, the endless revelation speculation. Right. <laughs> it's like,
1: that still happens today. Yeah,
0: and people make money off of it. And people make a ton of money off yeah. of it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, this happens... I mean, all Seth and I, I think, are trying to say here are, this is human nature. It's human nature. Like, this is the And it's also the work of the evil one. Because right. I, I don't want to just chalk it up to human nature, because... Paul constantly talks about the demonic side of yeah. things here. Uh what was it? The uh the deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons in four one. Yeah. <laughs> so that's just like it's it's the enemy's strategy has always been to polarize people, fill them with truth through anger and divisiveness. Major and you, on the minors. Yeah, major on the minors. And he and what does he use? How do you get somebody to lead like that? How do you get somebody to lie to people, be angry and pull them away? You keep them well paid.
1: Mm-hmm. And how do you convince people to continue to listen to you? Convincing them that you're the truly right ones. Right. We're the like, godly ones. We're the ones who are in right. the right. It's back at your Everybody point. else yep. is the enemy. Yep. That is the way false teachers operate. And godliness sells. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. 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 right, right. <laughs> and so godliness is a means of gain. Okay. For these people.
0: I mean, I guess the other thing to talk about there would be, um, that I think people would probably read, think of when they read that, is like televangelists.
1: Yeah, that's like, like the classic The one. classic yeah.
0: godliness is, is the means of gain. Because a lot of times they'll distort, the, not all of them. I don't want to paint with a broad brush where it's not necessary. Not all
1: evangelists on television are evangelists. That's right. The, <laughs> but the, there yeah.
0: are famous ones who have distorted scripture mm-hmm. to make a more palatable message or something like that. And they get huge followings and then they sell you holy water. <laughs> you know? Like, right. And so that's hap- that happens there too. It doesn't just happen. Like sometimes these people aren't just angry and violent and divisive externally you know yeah. the people yelling and ranting they're really nice and calm and quiet what they're teaching is false yeah. and they're just in it for the gain too mm-hmm. but godliness sells is kind of which is like an which is an odd idea. way to say it yeah
1: but paul kind of picks up on this because his next line is no godliness with contentment is great gain mm. it's almost as if he's saying you know they're kind of half right yeah righteousness being on the right side of history whatever however you want to say it does sell you something Mm. but godliness with contentment is great gain which i think is interesting what he's doing here he's not even talking about false teaching anymore now he's gonna start talking about true contentment this is why i say like you can tell he's been gunning for this topic for a Mm. while now because it's like okay we already know the false teachers are false we already know what they're up to they're teachings of demons they're divisive they're slanderous let's talk about money for a second let's talk about contentment they're in it for the money but let's talk about how believers christians you timothy yeah, should think about gain.
0: What's interesting about this, and we'll jump into it, what's interesting about his tactic here is that he is practicing what he preached. He told Timothy, don't engage in the useless myths. Mm-hmm. Don't go on their level. Don't argue with them. Just preach the truth and mm-hmm. live it out. Yeah. And here's what he's doing. He's like, oh, they're slanderous. They're this. They're that. They have all these fake myths, everything like that. Next sentence, here's the three reasons why you're wrong. <laughs> it- no. so no. what <laughs> he does. He says, now, let me teach you about how Jesus views money. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like right. he's practicing what he preaches. He's like, Timothy, just preach the truth and everything will work out. Mm-hmm. And, it's like, and then he does it.
1: Yeah. Which is really cool. I think he's doing it in a way that kind of gets underneath everything. It's like he's preaching truth in such a way that it responds to the false teachers. Right. Without having to respond to every silly myth. Doesn't it doesn't get come on their level. With. Right. Uh, so here's the first question. Though. Okay. He doesn't say money. He says godliness with contentment. Is great gain. What is contentment? Mm. We've talked about godliness at length. Yes. Being like God. Yeah. What is contentment?
0: I have another question. Okay. How do those two go together? Is he saying to be content with how godly you are? Or is he saying be godly and also be content?
1: I think the idea here is that godliness includes contentment.
0: Right. It's godliness with contentment. Right. Yeah.
1: Because when contentment your godliness is uncontent, Mm -hmm. what does it produce? Envy, slander. Envy, slander, dissension, constant friction.
0: Right. He's insinuating they're hawking a form of godliness Mm -hmm. and what's inside of that godliness? Discontent. Discontent. They're not content people. And so what are they filling that discontent with? Money. Money. Yes. Right. They're in it for the gain. Okay. But we're going to have the right form of godliness Mm -hmm. that's brought forth by right teaching and inside of our godliness is contentment. Yeah. Okay. I I think I understand that relationship right now. Okay. So then your question is, what is contentment? I'll give you like the pedestrian answer. I just always feel like would be like the quickest response, shoot from the hip, I would give is like, contentment is being okay with what you have. Yeah. Is that like how most people would probably think about contentment? Like, yeah. This is what I have, and it's enough. Mm -hmm. It's a I can do withoutness. Oh, I can Mm -hmm. do without that because I'm content. I can do without that because I'm content. Mm -hmm. And it's a it's a. It's a no posture. Why? Because I'm Zen and I'm content. I'm detached from the material
1: material things that I have. I don't need more than I have right now. And I could probably do with a lot less.
0: Yeah. So you might like think of like a minimalist or Mm -hmm. um, Marie Kondo. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, (laughs) Okay.
1: okay. I don't know if that's, I think that is a form of
0: contentment. Right. Yeah. It's like, I think if you were asking people what contentment is, they might think that, but Um, maybe that's not what.
1: I think Paul might mean something a little bit different. Okay. Because, and this goes back to something we talked about in Timothy 4, where he pushes on this idea that these false teachers have been telling their people to not enjoy some of the things God has given them. Oh, right.
0: Don't eat meat. Don't get married. Don't make babies. Right.
1: And his response to that is, uh, no, God created things to be received with thanksgiving for Mm. those who know and believe the truth. Everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected. Wait a second. What?
0: <laughs> I think I see where you're going with this.
1: Right. <laughs> so it's like what what's interesting is that we've already been primed to start thinking about the things God provides in the context of God being a giver.
0: Gain is not bad. Is is the category that he set up is gain right. is not
1: bad. Right, 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 right. Okay. So there's financial gain. Leveraging a form of godliness for financial gain is bad. Yes. But being content as part of your godliness to gain the things that God gives mm-hmm. is good.
0: Right. Let me try something. So contentment, I think most people would say, is the ability to say, no, I don't need that because I am mm-hmm. self-sufficient. Like, I'm, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. So I don't mm-hmm. need that. I'm good yeah. with what I have. I don't need anything else. Contentment with godly contentment is being thankfully open to receive the gifts of God it's a yes posture not a no posture
1: that's kind of like where i want to lean because I think in my mind contentment is a negative reality contentment is minimalism contentment is frugality right Content- it's like I mean
0: I would like go to my son like yesterday okay yeah. so yesterday we we were like we need to go grocery shopping after dinner and he wanted to play and we're like yeah we can play after dinner, and then Megan was like, oh, we need to get groceries. Mm-hmm. And, and so, like, okay, we got to go to Aldi after mm-hmm. dinner. And he's like, I don't want to go to Aldi. And I was like, well, how about I give you a sucker, and you can have a sucker, and we'll go to yeah, Aldi. Yeah. he was like, oh, okay, that sounds yeah. great. So he picks a sucker out that he won at Chuck E. Cheese. It was like the dream. Great. The grape sucker he won at Chuck E. Cheese <laughs> is the stinking dream. And then Our little one, our year-and-a-half-year-old Eli, he's, like, never had a sucker before, but it's, like, Uh I think he's ready. So we have these, like, they're called Zollipops, and they're, like, these dentist-friendly, clean-your-teeth-somehow suckers. I don't know how that works. But we're, like, oh, we could give him one, too, because he's freaking out that he doesn't have a sucker. So we give Eli one, and he has one. And then Ezra, my oldest, who picked the dream sucker, the grape sucker— he starts looking at the different <laughs> sucker his little brother has, and just throws himself on the ground and starts crying. This is
1: not the same. And I
0: and I, I mean, I, what I said to him wasn't this, but I could have easily said, "Just be content with what you have." Right, 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 yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the version of contentment that I have in my head is just be okay with it. Yeah, be content. And yeah. it's it's a little why, negative.
1: Yeah, it's negative. And why be content with what you have? Because that is what you have. Right. And you shouldn't want more uh, than what you have.
0: The reason for contentment is don't want more.
1: Right. Be okay with what you have. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So so it's very constricting. It's constricting. Okay. But I th- I think it might be helpful to go to a different place Paul talks about contentment. Okay. So Paul talks about contentment in Philippians 4 as well. And here's what he says um in Philippians 4:11. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And I can do this. Why? Because the one who gives me strength. Mm. Paul's view of contentment allows him to be both wealthy and poor. Why? because God is the one who gives him what he needs in the given moment. So like I'm trying to like fill out Paul's understanding of contentment because I think if I have a lot of things, if I'm a wealthy man, I'm wealthy by the world's standards. Right. I often think contentment means, man, I should probably be do have less in my house. Ah. I should get away with some of the junk that I have. I don't need this many of X. Like I don't need these luxuries. Mm-hmm. Contentment would look like being content with less and less and less and less. Right. But Paul doesn't say that. He's actually grateful when he has much right and he's content when he has less than that yes why because god is giving it all to him
0: mm-hmm. let me try to repeat back what you're saying and i'll try to keep myself using timothy language he says anything can be received and it be holy if it's received with thanksgiving yeah we talked about that mm-hmm. uh earlier and he's saying so if you are given a little or you're given mm-hmm. a lot if you're thankful that means you know where the gift is coming from yeah and so you can be content with it because it's you know God is good and He's given it to you. All things yeah. that God made are good, the little small things, the yeah. m- minimalist love, uh-huh. you know, yeah. and the big giant feasts that the wealthy luxurious crave. Yeah. Well, actually, they're both good things. The minimalist and the feast are both good, but you—it's all about how you receive them. Right, right. It's I like think with so.
1: Thanksgiving, with Thanksgiving, knowing that they're from God. If you have constantly in the back of your mind, my God is a giver who provides everything that I need, everything that he has made is good and for my reception to be received with thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. I don't need to leverage other people to get more. Right. I can be content because I know who God is. Contentment is always related to what's around me. Mm -hmm. But for Paul, it seems to be related to who God is. I'm content when I know God gives me everything. Mm -hmm. And what is true godliness? Knowing... God is yeah so one of the byproducts of knowing who God is is being content that he gives you everything that you need
0: right yeah I'm thinking about like with like when we hang out with our kids it doesn't matter if we like drop them off at yeah. Disney World like by yeah, themselves yeah, yeah, yeah versus if we played in a cardboard box with them they will have a better experience right. at the one that we're with them
1: Yes, you know, like, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, like yeah, that's right. That's like
0: right. exactly what we're trying to say. No, but that's that gets subthi- yeah. something to
1: it. And I think it's interesting too that he's using the same words, godly and gain. Mm-hmm. They mean a form of godliness for financial gain. He means true godliness for spiritual gain. Mm-hmm. And I think in this context, what he's saying, the gain you get is a life devoid of pride, right. conspiracy, suspicion. Do you want that type of life? (laughs) Do you want a life that's not dominated by the echo chamber? That's not dominated by theological controversy? Do you want a life that's contented? Mm. Well, trust that God is the one who gives all things.
0: Yeah. How do we see the gospel in this moment where if we're looking at godliness with contentment is great gain? Mm -hmm. How is that fulfilled for us in the gift of Mm -hmm. Jesus given to us by
1: God the giver? Well, I wonder if it's helpful to read the next verse mm. because Paul continues to develop this idea of godliness. We're aiming at why is it good news that we can be content? Mm-hmm. So godliness with contentment is great gain. Why? Because mm-hmm. we brought nothing into the world and we can bring nothing out of it. Why is this gain? Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like
0: no matter what, you 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 come in with nothing, you leave with nothing. So whatever you gain in the middle is net zero. Right. It's you, you're literally
1: hoarding up. For nothing. It's almost as if he's saying, like, well, godliness is the way to live because God is a great giver. And besides that, contentment is just the logical posture towards human existence. Nobody brought a dollar bill when they came out of the womb, right? And nobody takes it to heaven with them. Like right. that's just the logical way to think about it. So it's life. actually
0: not gain because you can't take it with you. Right. It's not gain. And yet it's great gain to have contented godliness. Why? Because you, yourself, are made into the kind of godly person that gets to exist with God forever. Yes. Like, you're forming a character that will be around God forever. And so you actually do take it with you. What do you take with you? The kind of person that can exist alongside God.
1: Yeah, that's a great game. The good news is that our lives begin to... Be marked by godliness, less suspicion, less slander, less division. Mm-hmm. But also the good news of eternal life with the God who exists beyond the two poles of this human life. Right. Human pole one, birth, human pole two, death, and then a whole life after that for those who believe in Jesus. Right.
0: How do you how do you have great gain now for that life? Only contented godliness. Yeah. Okay. And That's I think cool. as
1: we continue to cultivate an eternal perspective on material goods our relationship with our material goods will change Mm -hmm. and it will help us see them in light of the eternal giver Mm. right it's like all the great coffee that i enjoy and all the good things that i have in my life contentment actually allows me to enjoy them more Mm. and i think a lot of times contentment means enjoying things less or extracting being mindful of how much pleasure we extract from things Oh, right. Right? A
0: contented person won't get pleasure from things because that would
1: mean they would want it too much. Right. And they would
0: want more of it. Right. But if it's
1: a gift,
0: enjoy it. I'm actually freed to enjoy it. Right. And the giver is more pleased the more you enjoy the gift. Yeah. Right. Which is why Paul was able to be content when he was really well fed. And that would seem like a juxtaposition for most people. Right. Right. It's like, well, how can you be content? You were were a glutton and you were wanting and you were like craving. How dare you? He's like, no, I was just enjoying a gift given to me by God. I was also feeling that same way when I had nothing. <laughs> right. Yeah, and he says something similar here. But if we have
1: food and clothing with these, we will be content. Like
0: he, he's playing off mm-hmm. of what he said previously. Which is like a total riff on the Sermon on the Mount. Yes. Like he's just totally riffing on mm-hmm. Jesus' teaching here where mm-hmm. Jesus is like, man, don't store up treasure on earth where where th- you can't take it with you. Right. Is what Jesus was teaching. Store up treasures in heaven. And why? Because God's going to feed you. He feeds mm-hmm. the sparrow. God's going to clothe you. He clothes the grass, right? Like, yes, yes. He's got you on the basics. And so everything that you get basic, every time you put on a shirt, be like, man, God, thanks for giving me this.
1: Instead of I wonder if I could have a side hustle and buy more shirts. I think you're totally right (laughs) to (laughs) like be riffing on the Sermon on the Mount, be going to the Sermon on the Mount. Okay. So Jesus says, you know, do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy, thieves break in and steal Mm. it. Store up for yourself instead treasures in heaven, godly gain, like gain in heaven, because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Mm -hmm. And look how Paul continues his argument here, because the love of money is the root of all all kinds of evil. Uh, A heart, the heart that wants money, the heart that wants money, the heart that puts its hope in money, Mm. leads to all the ungodliness and dissension and division that we've seen in this text. I see. That's interesting. I don't think I ever thought
0: about Jesus' teaching of your treasure that your heart will be also as a warning against a heart that's going to be full of evil. I've always, right. I know right, I, right, right. I've always heard it, and I think it's also this, which is, I want you to love me. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to love money. You can't serve yeah. God in money. Mm-hmm. Love me. So put your treasure towards the things that I love. Right. And then you'll love me. Yeah. But also, there's an implication for putting your heart after wealth and treasure because like if i love god if mm-hmm. i have godliness what's mm-hmm. it going to do it's going to produce in me a godly life mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. teaching yep. right life we talked about that earlier here if i love money it's a bad god yeah <laughs> and it's going to produce in me all kinds of ungodliness yep okay i think i'm following that that's the root
1: of all kinds of evil so the proof is in the pudding where your treasure is your heart will be also now mm-hmm. skip down to verse uh, 17 okay so paul will come back to what's in the middle but he speaks to rich people now so people who have a lot of money so which is interesting right just because you have a lot of money doesn't mean you love money or that you're not content or that you're not content right which again it goes back to like the counter-cultural idea that contentment isn't the opposite of consumerism contentment isn't the opposite of wealth mm-hmm. it's an attitude that you have in relationship to God the giver yes, and the things that you have. Anyway, so now you speak to the rich. Charge them not to be proud or to set their hopes on certainty of riches. Exactly what Jesus is talking about. Mm -hmm. Instead, they should put their hope on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. God the giver. God the giver. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, and to be generous and to share, thus storing up for themselves treasures in heaven. Treasures for the foundation of the future. Mm-hmm. So, do you see how he's advancing Jesus's teaching? Mm-hmm. Jesus says, "Don't store up your tre- treasures in heaven, or mm-hmm. where your heart is, there your uh, don't
0: store don't store up treasures on earth
1: because because
0: where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." But now
1: Paul says, "But you can also store up treasures in heaven." Right? Jesus doesn't say that. He's adding adding in an appropriate way. So like when you are generous with what you do have, because you are content with what God has given you, you actually get the gain that the false teachers say they want.
0: Jesus does say, store up treasures in heaven. Oh, he does? Yeah.
1: Oh. Yes, he does say Well, (laughs) I don't even know what I'm talking about. Why am I even on this podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Jesus does say, store up your treasures in heaven. What he doesn't say is the way that you store up those treasures in heaven. The how. Yeah, he's advancing the
0: argument by saying, here's some examples. If you're rich... Be rich in good deeds and be generous with your money. Right. Then you'll be laying a foundation for your future. Right. Which is, is, he's giving us an example of what Jesus is talking about. So
1: I think what I normally interpret laying up your treasure in heaven, what does that mean? Well, value things like character, love, uh, faithfulness, a good relationship with your children and wife. Yeah. Like good godly. Love your Bible more. So that, you know, oh, like those sure. are, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. storing up your treasures in heaven. Don't put your trust or faith in things on earth, which yeah. you shouldn't, but more intangible, more eternal things. But, Paul gives a very concrete example. Right. How do you store up treasures in heaven? Store up treasure in heaven by giving your stuff away. Right. That's how you store it up. By being Being generous generous. with, with what you have.
0: Yeah, totally. And, like, generosity is an inevitable outcome of godly contentment. That's right. It's just inevitable.
1: Because if you are convinced that everything you have is a gift. Right. Don't you want to share gifts with other people? Yeah. Isn't your enjoyment of something increased when you get given a really nice bottle of wine that you get to pour it with friends? Right. Like, that's...
0: Yeah, it's like, no, everybody stay away from me. This was given to me. I'm drinking a load at night. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, nobody does that. depressing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Okay. Let's talk about Jesus here.
1: Yes. Because,
0: I mean, we just nailed it. The whole point of the podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because, I mean, Jesus breaks the category of what it means to be rich.
1: Mm, It was God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He
0: owns everything. There's nothing he doesn't own. Like, uh, what's the famous quote? There's no square inch in the universe that God does not scream over it, mine. Mine. Like, he owns it. Yeah. And, And so he was rich, is rich. And yet, what did he do? He was rich in good works, mm-hmm. and he was generous. Mm-hmm. He gave up his entire life to serve others. He dispelled the power of God that was given to him through the Holy Spirit by healing, by being compassionate with others, right? Yeah. And then he gave his whole life for us on the cross, was generous mm-hmm. with his mm-hmm. life to give us life who didn't deserve it. Like He was generous to us. And then what happened? Future foundation Mm -hmm. was laid for him. Treasures in heaven. You want to talk about treasures in heaven? He sat down at the right hand of God where he is enthroned in power forever. Yeah. Like, he proved that this verse is true. Like you said, the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. Like, he taught it, and he lived it, and now he has treasure forever because of it.
1: Yeah. Godliness with contentment is great gain is proven in Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like, a godly man, content with the riches of heaven, so much so that he gave them all away. Right. Right so that he might gain more. What's more than all the riches of heaven? Yeah. All the people of God. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Yeah, By giving up everything, he got more. It's interesting, too.
0: And like we know that. He asks God to restore the glory that he had in the beginning, in, in his prayer yeah. at the end of John. Yeah, We know, like you just quoted in Hebrews, that it was for the joy set before him that he endured the hardship of the cross. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're told in Hebrews 2 that... We need to know that God rewards those who are faithful to him. Mm-hmm. And I think we believe this lie that contentment means we can't expect God to be generous to us.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah right. yeah. That's because like, that would be the opposite of contentment. Yeah, it's
0: like, nope, God, don't give me anything else. I'm content. It's like, that's not the heart of contentment. That actually cuts it off at the knees. Contentment doesn't assume that they don't need anything from God. Contentment is generated from the very fact mm-hmm. that you get everything from God. yeah. And so it's just so interesting that even Jesus himself, what made him able to be so generous is he knew everything he had was from God Mm -hmm. and that after he was generous towards others, God would be generous towards him exponentially. Mm -hmm. And so like we need to see God as a giver, both past tense and future tense that he did give us everything we have. Therefore we too can be generous with it because we know he's going to provide for us that gifts are more joyous when they're shared, all that kind of stuff. But also that in the future, God will outgive us. Mm-hmm. There's nothing I can do yeah. with my money to right. give it away to other people that I'm not going to get back a billion fold by just looking at him when I'm in heaven right. with him.
1: Well, yeah, it's like we won't take any money with us to the gates of heaven. And what do we get in return? Je- a recreated world, right. too. It's like we, like we yeah. get Jesus, we get right. God. Yes, yeah, but obviously, obviously. Yeah, the whole world. The whole world yeah. is now
0: ours. Right, and we're kings and rulers over it. And what's amazing, too, is like, in that moment that we receive the new creation at the end of Revelation, he tells us, like, come and buy. Come and mm-hmm. buy this whole world. Mm-hmm. Well, how? I didn't bring any money with me. He's like, good. Because you know how much it costs? Nothing. He mm. says, come and buy without cost. <laughs> how do you yeah. buy without cost?
1: Because everything's a gift. Yeah, money, in that light, money is a really cruel type of gift giver.
0: Okay, yeah. You talk more about that.
1: Because eventually it's going just to extract more and more from its recipients over time while mm. giving less and less. Yeah. But God is a good God who only gives good things for free and increasingly so mm. for those who are content with him.
0: Yeah. Money's a cruel gift giver. Yeah.
1: I mean cuz that's why people want money. Interesting. Because money gives yeah. them things. Right. Yeah, well,
0: uh, my mentor he told me one time uh money is a strategy. Yeah. It's a way to get things, but it's not the only way. Is if you treat money as the way to get things, it's your provider. It mm-hmm. is your God. That's why mm-hmm. you can't serve God and money mm-hmm. because you, you are a dependent being, mm-hmm. right? You're a dependent being and you have to receive no matter how bad you wish you could be self-sufficient. Being human means being dependent. And when we say, well, if money's my provider, then you've made it your God. Mm-hmm. But if God can provide for you through a bunch of different means, right? You need a house. God can move on someone's heart to give you a house, right? He can find you a roommate, right? He can also get you a job that makes you money. Yeah. Right. He yeah. can also like David provide a cave for a little season, right? <laughs> like, yeah. like money's a strategy that God uses to provide, mm-hmm. but God is the provider. Yeah. Ever yeah. since he said money's a strategy yeah. that really messed with me.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a, it's a decent strategy. Yeah. A cruel God. It's a fine strategy. Yeah. It's a terrible provider. Yeah, that's right. What it do you mean me by think, money
0: extracts more and more from us the more it gives. I mean,
1: I'm thinking about almost any celebrity that sure. you talk to, and it's like I used to love a ten dollar bottle of wine. Now I only need a twenty. Uh, <laughs> now I can't go below twenty. Well, really, it's only a seventy five dollar bottle of wine. Yeah. That's yeah. what. It, like, it, it, at what point does a steak just be a steak? Like, right. can you really improve infinitely? No. By putting gold foil on my on right. There's my meal. There's always the law of diminishing returns. So that that's what I mean by I it. It's like money. And, and besides that, it depreciates. Right. Inflation. The it's stock also, market crashes. I mean, it, like, and like
0: Proverbs and Psalms both talk about this, where it's like, it's better to have a meal of vegetables with really good friends than a meal of fattened meats with your enemy. You, like, you can enjoy something yeah. with contentment better that might be less quality if you have contentment than enjoying yeah. something great and you're just continually lusting for more. Yeah. And because money always promises you more than it can deliver.
1: What's making me think about too is the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Yeah. Um and this is the cent- Paul calls it the central motivation for these false teachers. Yeah. And it's we've d- talked about how money provides us what we think we need. And it's it's a funny parallel to what to the way that the false teachers have talked about all these other good works that they need in o- to do in order to be godly. And like that's a common theme throughout the epistles. Yeah. If you do these certain good works, god will like you more or just a common way that we think about a transactional way we think about god right if i do these good works it adds up in my bank account (laughs) of good deeds and then god likes me more because
0: god is like money
1: right because god is like money right like (laughs) right right (laughs) that's our only
0: relationship that we understand and i
1: mean that's probably because we live in a fairly consumeristic society that like treats everything like a transaction everything's commodity yeah so i'm like what's interesting to me is you have false teachers who are motivated by money, but it's actually poisoning their religion in a really like an mm. odd way where it's like, Oh, loving money too much actually perverts the way that you think about the grace of God, right? Because it doesn't allow you to have a category for the grace of God. I understand. Because the only way that you can think about God is pluses and minuses. Mm. And I'm not allowed to just receive from God the gift of salvation. I actually have to earn it.
0: Ah, uh, okay. I think you've struck gold, uh, not to use a money term, not but, to you to did, but you <laughs> struck gold. Um, <laughs> because because what you're saying is the the money is the root of all kinds of evil is because it's graceless. Yeah. It's only transactional. Yeah. And it's it's not money's not a giver, it's a taker. Mm-hmm. You have to give something to get money mm-hmm. and that's usually disproportionate. You know, and it gives mm-hmm. you something but you you earned it. Mm-hmm. And
1: and then once you spend it on something, you don't get quite what you wanted out of
0: right, it. Right, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's this cycle of dependence. And at the end of the day, the reason why you're saying that money is the root of all kinds of evil is because it doesn't teach grace and receiving. Mm-hmm. It teaches earning and status and disappointment.
1: Yeah, it makes it harder to understand grace.
0: Right, which which means then then how do we change our hearts? Right, how do we like we? Uh, you say where your treasure is, so there your heart will be also. And yeah. like, how do we have godly contentment that changes our hearts? Uh-huh. This goes back to everything we've been saying. Receive mm-hmm. the gift of the gospel. Yeah. Understand that the gospel is a free gift of grace, and it will change your heart. And mm-hmm. then it will not produce all kinds of evil, but all kinds of godliness. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's amazing.
1: Yeah, and also makes me realize that's a really profound reason why Jesus does talk about money all the time. Right. Is because money is antithetical to the gospel. Like, right. money's a fine strategy yeah, there's nothing, on earth. Yeah, it's fine. But it's antithetical to the way the gospel works. Depending on it is. Yeah. Right. You can't buy the gospel. Right. You can't buy grace. Yeah. It's given from a generous God. Mm.
0: That's so good. Man, everybody listening, just let's all promise to go away and (laughs) think more about this. (laughs) Because, man, that's really good. Okay, what have we not picked up in First Timothy 6 that we need to make sure we talk about before we close?
1: We need to talk about the good fight of faith.
0: Let's talk about it.
1: But as for you, verse 11, O oh man of God, flee these things. So it's, it's a command to Timothy to
0: flee the love of money.
1: Flee the love of money. And what's interesting is that phrase man of God, mm. it's not a common phrase in the Bible. Okay. Moses was called a man of God. Okay. David was called a man of God. Elijah was called a man of God. Oh. Elisha was called a man of God. That's a bit, that's pretty much it. Whoa. So like,
0: Paul's like. He's like, hey bro, you, I'm calling you up to the big leagues.
1: Each of these men are specially chosen and gifted by God to lead God's people. Dang. And we talked about Timothy's like character as a timid person. Right. The youngest in a room full of men that are older than him. Yeah. And he's just calling them up and saying, you are a man of God mm. in the same league as Moses and David and Elijah and Elisha. God has chosen you. He's gifted you, prophetically empowered you. To lead these people. So. That's crazy. Fight the good fight of faith. like What a pastoral encouragement. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Have you ever had those moments, though,
0: where like a a pastor or someone comes to you and is just like, I just see you as a new Nehemiah or and you just kind of I just I've always like rolled my eyes at that. Yeah. What I want to chalk it up to is like, oh, you're being hokey or whatever insincere. And it's like, no, I think it's that I'm too immature to receive that and see that God is powerful enough to actually use me however he wants. Yeah, and it's my own insecurity and not their hokiness that's really on the line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, call I, myself out there yeah, a little bit. Well,
1: I had a moment like that when I was on staff at, in Kansas City at church in Kansas City, and yeah. I was like in the elder room for the first time on this elder retreat, and just feeling super out of place. Everybody there is like one of the youngest, not the the youngest guy on staff, but I'm one of the younger guys on right. staff. And I, you're the n- one of the newest. One of the newest. I haven't been there a whole long time. Like I really respect the people that I've seen so far. And everyone's praying these kind of awesome prayers. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going <laughs> to sit here and be quiet for a while. <laughs> yeah. You know, and just and honestly feeling. I I remember writing down and sliding it to a note for my friend. Like, I don't know if I belong in this room. Whoa. And I just saw that to myself, slid yeah. to my friend, kind of laughing about it, just kind of feeling out of place. And then in the middle of the, the meeting, one of the other elders from across the room was like, Seth, I think the Lord's just saying... You belong here, mm. which was crazy because I just let a note to my friend that saying I don't think I belong here, yeah. and then somebody else said, "Yeah, I feel like you believe you're a kid with that you have shoes that are too shiny for you, mm. and God's calling you to step into them." Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, okay, I'm just gonna cry here in the corner now." <laughs> yeah. uh, but that's, that's what's this what's happening. This is what Paul's doing for Timothy. Paul's doing that
0: for Timothy. In this moment and like quick gospel turn. I mean, Jesus looks at us and calls us friend. He calls us brother. Calls us mm. co-heirs. And let's not be so tied up in the fact that we don't deserve that title or how could God trust us or whatever the shame is that you carry. Like Jesus is giving you something real that he wants to put on you just like Paul is calling Timothy up to the We are men of God, women of
1: God, specially chosen to lead the people around us.
0: Not because of who we are, but because God is a giver Mm -hmm. and he's given us, and he talks about the gift given to you Mm -hmm. by the laying on of hands. You know, he'll talk about that. And it's like, it's not because of you, Timothy. It's because God deposited mm-hmm. something generous in you.
1: Yeah. And that's who you are now. Man of God. Man of God. Okay. So, man of God. Man of God. <laughs> Flee these things and instead pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. I also think it's interesting that gentleness mm. is the last one of those five ways that he's supposed to. One, two, three, four, five, five four, five. Five ways. Yeah. Six v- ways.
0: Very different than the dissension, slander. Yeah.
1: Yeah, quarrels, so, and we've talked about this. There's a great book called Gentle and Lowly, oh, which you so should totally good. read. But if you have
0: not read Gentle and Lowly, non-endorsed plug. Yeah, please go read. Go it. read it by Ortland,
1: and he makes the case that like the only time that Jesus describes himself, mm. he in Scripture is when he says, "I am gentle and lowly in heart." Yeah. And so it makes it's interesting to me that the capstone of what it means to fight the good fight of faith to be a man of God <laughs> to be is, is to be gentle. Yeah. It's so good. Um, So fight the good fight of faith. Take hold. And then he gives him reasons to hope, reasons to keep fighting. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made your good confession. Like You have an eternal life in front of you. You have Mm. a hope of future reward that you confessed at your ordination. When you became a pastor to these people, you said you believed in a future reward. If any time it matters, it matters right now. Mm. So believe in that future reward yeah take hold of it yeah. take hold of it okay. and then he says i charge you in the presence of god who, <laughs> oh. <laughs> g- <laughs> who gives hey the giver life to all things and of christ jesus who in his testimony before pontius pilate made it. another good confession
0: oh okay so he's like timothy you made a confession before people mm-hmm. jesus made a confession before people yes and what's jesus's confession
1: well, well and he doesn't say it oh <laughs> well <laughs> uh which is funny because he he goes on to say this, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's confusing. It's a little confusing. So Paul has just encouraged Timothy with the hope of future reward. Yeah. The one that he confessed at his ordination. Okay. And then he compares his confession and his ordination to Jesus's confession with Pontius Pilate. I think a, another way to say that is like, you have the hope of solidarity with Jesus. Mm. You and Jesus are making confessions. Uh. You have made a confession about what reality is, what truth is, what the, your hope, and so did Jesus. And what's interesting when Jesus made his confession in front of Pontius Pilate, he talked about the nature of truth right. and lies, just like it's on the line in First Timothy: true teaching, false teaching; true doctrine, false doctrine. Mm. And he's about to pick up this. Uh, the fact that jesus is a king mm. jesus talks with pilate about the fact that he is the king right and that's the co- in one way that's the confession that is the gospel jesus is king right as the gospel that yeah. is the gospel and so jesus held on to the confession that he was the king who would be coming again soon just as timothy had you are empowered by jesus you have solidarity with jesus mm. remember that timothy yeah. i think that's what's going on here
0: it's not Uncoincidental that his testimony was given at his death sentence, mm-hmm. that then led to eternal life in yeah. his resurrection. Right, right. He's like he was on the cusp of eternal life. So are you, Timothy. So just like Jesus was faithful, fought the good fight, pressed through. What did he press through? Death.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Why? To lay hold of eternal life, which yeah. is what he's commanding him to do. Yeah. Repeat, Jesus, fight the good fight, fight to the death, mm-hmm. not through quarrelsome and yelling, but through gentleness and dying. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then what will happen? You'll get
1: raised up on the other side. Yeah. Okay. Jesus will appear, and he will be displayed at the proper time. Oh, my gosh. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings, it is. the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in light unapproachable, and whom no one has ever seen or can see. And then he, he basically, he's like, he this is a doxology. People think that this is like what people said at baptisms maybe, mm. or like this is what maybe what they said at ordination ceremonies. Oh, maybe. he might be repeating his ordination. He might be repeating mm. his ordination, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Wow. So he, he bookends it. He's like, Jesus, you said there's future hope of eternal life. And what did Jesus say? He's coming back. Yeah. Hope, persevere, fight the good fight. Why? Jesus is coming soon. Right. And you and Jesus both confess that he is the king of the world and that he is the truth. So if Jesus and you confess the same thing and you both know he's coming back, keep fighting, Timothy. You can do this. I mean, that's good. It's so good. (laughs) It's so (laughs) good. That's really
0: good. Okay. I mean, what else? What else is there to say other than whenever your back is against the wall and you don't know what to do and everything's swirling around you, make the same confession Jesus made. He is king and he's coming back. (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, that's the that's the major note. Do you want to hit a minor note? Uh, yeah, Not sure. Not to get the lost bla- in the black keys. The black keys, whom no one has ever seen or can see. Oh boy! One of the ways that Paul is describing God is as the God who uh, no one has ever seen or can see.
0: Yeah, which is God is described that way. Like the Father, God is described that way.
1: Yeah, it's actually a reference to God's response to Moses mm-hmm. when Moses asked to see His face. Right. God says. I'm the God who no one has seen or ever will be seen. You know, yeah. but and then he God says no one can see me and live. That's what right. that's what God yeah. says. No one can God.
0: see. No one can look on my face and live. Yeah. Right.
1: So this is a a riff on mm-hmm. no one can see my face and live. But what happened after Moses made the request to see God's face and God said no one can see my face and live? He let him see the backside
0: of his glory. Mm-hmm.
1: And what did that allow Moses to do?
0: To radiate with the. Beauty of God. It gave him the authority to lead his people. Oh, there we go. That's better. (laughs) 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 It gave it it validated his authority. Yeah, it validated as
1: God's representative. So in a similar way, yeah, Timothy's authority is being validated by both Paul and God. Yep. He is the chosen pastor for these people. You've
0: seen Jesus. Mm. You need no other authority or validation other than Mm. the fact that you've made the same confession: Jesus Mm. is King, and that you know Him who cannot be seen. You've had an experience with Him. That has given you all you need to lead these people. Yeah. That's good. So First Timothy.
1: That's First Timothy. Any concluding thoughts?
0: Oh. I think the, the thing I'm walking away with, I mean, I think there's tons of little lessons that we've learned along the way here that are rattling me. Like the gospel of patience from like the first episode all the way to this con- stuff on contentment has been really powerful. But I think what will probably mark me for the longest is how Paul cared for Timothy?
1: Yeah. Is just yeah.
0: really kind and I don't know, I think I'll read Paul differently now. I'm trying to lead people with the giftings that God mm-hmm. has given me and I often feel too insignificant mm-hmm. and small to do it. Yeah. And uh the solution that Paul's giving godly leaders like us isn't fight like with quarrelsome words and go after the attacks and it's just be a man of God, David, and guard your life and doctrine closely and just preach faithfully and make sure what you're pra- you're practicing what you preach. Yeah. I just feel like Paul's talking to me in that moment a little yeah. bit. And so I, I just feel like cared for by Paul and I feel the
1: same way. I feel like the character of Timothy yeah. has been like drawn out for me in a way that I I don't I didn't think I knew I needed. Right. The idea yeah. of a young man <laughs> leading an organization he feels ill-equipped to, 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 to lead yeah the need to feel affirmed in the calling that he's received i mean i've gotten sick a lot during COVID. like so Paul, you know you, right. this guy who's sick all the time right he's a, it's like i don't you know i just
0: weak <laughs> timothy we, we, we've had a joke around the office uh. where we've called him tiny tim tiny tim yeah <laughs>
1: Yeah. yeah. We're actually not gonna talk through Second Timothy, but like Second Timothy, we're told that Timothy's crying over yeah. Paul says he, he knows he's been crying over I know the your state tears, Timothy. So I'm like, oh gosh, this like weeping, sickly, right, shameful Timothy. Who's called to minister in one of the most difficult places that the ancient world might have known? Ephesus, yeah. the center for the worship of Artemis and Commerce. It's the New York City of his time. That's right, it's the
0: people who followed Paul to Jerusalem and got him imprisoned.
1: Yeah, so I'm like, Yeah, I've I just feel the pastoral warmth and encouragement from paul a totally
0: lot. that's really good well hopefully you guys feel that pastoral warmth too uh hopefully that's been encouraging to everyone listening thank you so much for walking through first timothy with
1: us uh we're excited mm-hmm. next week we'll start matthew yeah yeah we're gonna talk about why we love the book of matthew oh. and what you can expect from the next few probably a couple months yeah we're yeah. gonna talk about matthew for a while yeah
0: that'll be exciting well okay well thank you guys for joining us and we'll see you next week